technical abilities have the ability to actually make this work, and then he can figure out whether it's actually working later on. Uh, and what Kevin asked us to do is talk about uh, and discuss what elders do and what the qualifications of elders were, and he left it pretty open. So we have a very open class. This might be a long class, or it could be a very short class, depending on whether or not y'all have questions, because there's only a certain amount of stuff prepared. So let's, uh, let's talk about where the qualifications of elders are, uh, primarily in 1 Timothy and Titus. So let me just read off the ones that I've highlighted, some of these in yellow that are consistent in both of them, and then go through some of the ones that are a little different. But they're very similar, most of them are very similar. So, above reproach, husband of one wife, self-controlled, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money or greedy, manages his own household well so those are all those those are all in both timothy and titus here are the ones that are a little different that are similar but a little different sober-minded that's in timothy disciplined in titus sort of the same in timothy respectable uh in in both of them actually i didn't highlight these in yellow but they're sort of similar keeping his children submissive, and, and in Titus, children are believers or faithful. And then in Timothy, not a recent convert, and in Timothy, well thought of by outsiders, and in Titus, a lover of good, upright, and holy. So those are, those are the, quote, qualifications. There's lots of other, as you can tell, I printed a bunch of stuff off. There's lots of other qualifications. Um, basically, you're supposed to have the uh, shepherd mindset so that you can be uh, a caring person and a person who uh, wants to take care of others and help others. And I think you certainly saw that in Rick Shepherd's blessing today. Um, some of us are better skilled at that than others. I certainly won't claim to be the best person at that. Jack is real good at that. At what? <laughs> Take your horses. Take your horses. Yeah. Yeah. So hey, Jack. That was a different lifestyle. <laughs> different lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, that's you know what we try and do in all seriousness is we try and do what's right for the congregation and try and help uh, lead us. In the right direction, and those are fairly heavy responsibilities. Uh, the uh, it's the Bible says we'll be held accountable for those responsibilities, which makes it pretty scary for those of us who are presently sitting in those chairs. Um, we're most grateful for the congregation who gives us support, and particularly who prays for us. Uh, it's what we need the most of. Uh, let's talk about uh, any any questions on responsibilities. Any discussion on that? Or qualifications, yes, sir. So, just as it says, like, uh, to be like, God has not given us a mind of fear, but that of a sound mind. And how Jesus would just walk up to people, and Dale was talking about how Jesus walked up to people and just healed them, others would turn away because they felt kind of nervous about it, you know, we're scared. We've been given not that of fear, but a sound of mind. So, no matter what it is, 
we should all be like prepared, like Lafa, right? Prepared to take it on head on. Fear not, for I am with thee, God says. Absolutely. And embrace the circumstances that you have, yeah. knowing that you know, He's our Savior and He's got our back. Whatever is in the future, we'll deal with. Isaiah, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Let me. I'm going to babble for just a minute. Please. We didn't do a lot of. We didn't have a. We a didn't do any prep. <laughs> but when I think about qualifications, <clears throat> when okay, when we pick our leaders in the political world. How do how are those leaders usually picked? It's has nothing to very very little to do with qualifications. It's who can put on the best show, whatever. The intent of or whatever it is to coerce you right. to vote for them, right, or to convince you. And it's it's kind of funny that vote for me because I'm better than the other guy. Well, wait a minute. So this this whole concept of qualifications, when you look through what what uh, Paul is explaining to Titus and Timothy about look for people that have these characteristics and these people that have these characteristics should be better leaders are we going to be perfect absolutely not but having those characteristics that the group and, and that's that's really my, the point I want to make is the reason we sit here is because this congregation has told us that they would like us to do that it isn't Richard didn't campaign for it. Jack didn't campaign for it. None of us campaigned for that type of thing. Right. It's the congregation spoke out and said, look, these men could help us lead. And then when you look a little bit at what the elders do, you know, if there's issues within the church and people were going to court against each other, they said, bring it before the elders. So people with those characteristics hopefully can make better decisions <laughs> in the relationship that the people have with God. I mean, that's the common bond that we so hopefully that's in my mind that's our base role. Just real quick with that. Um, so I was in the military for eight years and I was in seven groups by the force out of Fort Bragg and it was kind of like in in my mind I still have that kind of mentality no matter how I look at it because I just never can get away from it. But if you put on an army uniform, you're in the army and you're a soldier, right? They don't know what your job is. Like you'd be walking around and you do accounting or you do you know this, or you're a medic, or you're a um, you know, 11 Bravo, which is the infantryman, or you fly uh, planes. Nobody knows. You put the uniform on, and you're a soldier, right? So I, the way I see it is, whenever I come to somebody, no matter who it is, it's they're an elder. I don't know what their background is and what they did professionally, but I know that God has anointed you guys to be to lead this church. So I, I just feel like whenever I come to any of you, I feel. And all of y'all are qualified for any situation because God has anointed you as such. And I just wanted to share that with y'all. Thank you. Yeah, he's given us different gifts. Yeah, a couple of other things that I highlighted, which I thought was sort of interesting reading through some of this. Above reproach or blameless doesn't mean they're not, doesn't mean they're perfect. Okay. <laughs> just held a comment. I thought that was important. <laughs> um, My wife's not in here, right? No. <laughs> Did she put that in there? <laughs> Responsibility is to help others grow. Big one. Um, must care about people and the type of person who welcomes people. So outstretched arms. Um, I thought I thought those were sort of interesting things. Lots of biblical verses regarding a lot of that, but I thought that was interesting. 
Um, so those are sort of the qualifications, and we all come from different walks of life, and we all bring different skill sets and different gifts, and we all try and uh, focus on what's most important to the church, to the members, and what we see is important in God's work. Um, but mostly, I think, what Kevin wanted us to talk about is what do we do? Because a lot of people don't know what the elders do. And I'll tell you, before I joined this group, I didn't know exactly what the elders did. You sort of have a conception, but until you get into it, you really don't know. And I think it's good to be transparent. So here are some of the things that came up in, again, one of these sites. The elders help to settle disputes in the church, and you mentioned that. I mean, there are times when we have members who have challenges with each other, and part of our job is to mediate those and bring people together and, you know, uh, study the Bible and see what we need to do and how we need to do it. Uh, we've done some of that lately. We've had some challenges, I guess, but that's in love and in, uh, you know, Christian love, we try and bring people together. So that's one of the things we do, is help settle disputes. Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen very often, but it does come up from time to time. Uh, pray for the sick. We do that, I would say, every meeting. We, have, we usually have meetings twice a month. For a while we were meeting uh, once a week. Um, and the first thing we do at every meeting is start with a prayer, and the last thing we do when we leave the meeting is end with a prayer. Uh, and there'll be times when we'll do prayer circles where we'll each take a section and just go around the room and pray. Uh, many of that is, many times that's with a list of people that we have, naming them uh, in person like Rick did today in his prayer, uh, where we've asked for specific, where people have asked for specific prayers. Okay, now I'm going to stop talking. Two of you have to fill in. I've got a few more things, but I'm not going to say everything else. I have a question. Um, so what about like church discipline? How does that play into what y'all do? You know, if somebody has a conflict and one is definitely... In the wrong. Yeah, and they're doing something. You know, is that a factor within the eldership here? Or how does that work? So I've heard of other churches, you know, handling church question. I, first of all, I announce I'm the new guy on the block. So Jack has been on longer than Rick, than me. So I'm, we're going to throw the question to Jack. <laughs> well, discipline's a hard word. And it's kind of uh, if, you, if you're going to look at the discipline aspect of someone's life in terms of their spirituality, uh, the way they live their life, what is it that is going on in their their life that brings it to the attention of other people that feel right. like they're out of step or they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. Uh, the first thing we want to do is confirm. And the other thing we want to do is start praying for us as elders how we're going to approach it. You know, what is it that's bothering them? What is it in their life? that we need to look at changing. And it's all, if 
you look at you know God's purpose to bring everybody into the kingdom is out of love so that's where you work to start with is how do we reach this person out of love how can we you know get them to start thinking beyond what their problems are and what they've done if they've offended anybody else or is this a personal thing that people just recognize so all that kind of stuff starts in the beginning and then you start kind of plotting against the devil or whatever it is his problems are and come up with a plan to love him back in to the fold and his example uh, his influence on other people is the toughest thing you have to do to change an individual uh, and try to get as far away as we can under scriptural discipline you know we nobody wants to be disfellowshipped or sent away and uh, that's our hardest thing to do is come up with a plan and have him or number one be willing if they're not willing then it's a difficult it's in a whole different thing uh, that's when you it's the last resort and you have to <coughs> the discipline but discipline really is more than trying to convince through love and uh, interaction scripture what we what you have is experience from being not just an elder but a church member you know and how you live with with the body you know your family church family and you know move move that way so there's not a hard slap them with a ruler on the back of the hand uh, you just kind of pat them you know? there are a lot of weights and measures though from what I'm, from what I'm hearing because like if so, like example like Whitney had a, a, not a following right but a fellowship of like 15 people that came with her and were strictly here because Whitney was here and Whitney was in the wrong one time right or something and then she got upset and left and then like all those 15 people left too like like <laughs> that'd be terrible <laughs> you know that's what I was I was just thinking that right now when you were, when you were asking that and you were saying that I was like man imagine if somebody just took like 50 people <laughs> you know yeah like they were yeah, like you brought them over from another church or, or they're your family that just moved here and they're like, we found this church good because Whitney comes. But Whitney's got them out of here, you know? That's what, that's what I was thinking when Jack was explaining that. That's pretty crazy, right? The things we have to deal with. The what now? Like the things you have to deal with, like, you know, with upsetting the, the person, you know, that there's a lot of people that come with them, you know? Yeah. Like it's, that's, that's, a lot, that's a heavy weight in you guys. You know, I was just thinking that I was hearing it in your voice. Like it's a heavy weight, you know, to, to like kind of keep it like the peacemaker stuff, mm-hmm. right? Because like you're talking about plotting against the devil, but just mainly just just teaching them about love, because that's the hardest thing for people to do to do things out of love, right? Yeah, I mean the, the whole the whole basis of of our relationship one with one another is first of love one another. Well, you know that's a tough word too. I mean that's an individual thing. Personally, you have the feelings of love, you know, in terms of your fellowship with your fellow Christian is different than your love for your wife or your mom and dad. It's, it's a different love. Number one, it's got to be a very forgiving love. You're very open-minded, open-hearted, and understand as much as you can 
what the scriptures tell us when we when we have a relationship with one another. It's uh, it's something that you have to think about it almost all the time. You know, how do I feel toward my brother and sister in the church family? And uh, not so much worry about how they feel about you. How do you feel about them? Well, what can you do if they need help? How can you help if they need prayer? I'll tell you one thing that, that is the most powerful thing in the world is prayer. That's the one avenue we have that's common to everybody. And it's common to one person, and that's God. And that relationship is, is what is your strength and your mindset when you have the uh, instruction and from uh, the words of the Bible, you have to be uh, aware and, and familiar with what God expects of all of us, especially in our relationship with one another. And at times it's tenuous, at times it's the greatest thing in the world. One thing that we always look out for is if you see someone drifting. You know, if you see someone starting to have problems. And believe me, we hear about it. Uh, some so-and-so, you know, hadn't seen them lately, I heard this, I heard, well, that's where your beginning is. And you can't just say, oh, well, he'll be okay or she'll be okay. That's kind of gossip too, right? Huh? Isn't that kind of gossip too? You gotta stay away from Well, that? yeah, gossip, you know. Yeah. Read about <laughs> gossip in the world. Yeah. That's why you reach out, right? You hear something, you reach out yeah. just to verify this. And you or have to tell you know, I can say something about anybody, anybody and then like, oh man, they're, they're, they've been, you know, doing bad and drinking or they've been whatever. And it's all good until you call that person to find out, hey, you know, we've been here today, you know, we care. Because I think the biggest thing is coming out with, a, with like you said, with, with love. You know, it's, yeah. it's all about, you have to handle everything with love, especially when I think discipline in the church, I don't think like harsh discipline or anything like that. I think more along the lines of, Spiritual, spiritual discipline, showing that person like, hey, look, I know you're going through things, but let me show you how it's affecting not just you, because everything's their problems, are their problems, right? Yeah. We walk up and down like, that's my problem, I can take care of it, but it's not your problem, because you got people that love you, so your problem becomes their problem. You know, if I have, you know, spiritual problems, or if I'm doing bad things, it's going to affect my wife, my kids, and stuff like that, so I would say the most important part of discipline is teaching that person that it doesn't just affect you, it affects the people that love you, and that's why we're intervening. Because it's more than just you. We're, we're, we're a congregation. You know, we're a family. We're a Christian family. So I think discipline. I think like you know, spiritual discipline. Like teaching you. You know, why are you, you know, This is where you're going off. This is what it says in the Bible. This is what it affects, and this is who you're affecting. You know. So and if, if you love that person, then I think if you love the people you're affecting, I think you'll hear when people reach out to you what it means. They're doing it because they love you and they love the people around you, not just because I want to show you that you're wrong. It's I want to show you. You're hurting yourself, and on top of that, you might not notice you're hurting your family, your friends, your your, your loved ones, things like that. So that's what I think. Yeah, right. and all you do let it be out of love, right? Yeah. You know, the whole thing is out of love. I mean, that's that's the way you start. It's your relationship with that individual that opens mm -hmm. the door to begin with, and <clears throat> you don't want to be. Number one, you don't want to, if there's gossip going on and this is what is the source of it, then you have two problems. Mm -hmm. You have something that's either not true or hearsay or whatever from somebody else. Well, that person has got a problem if they're talking in public about it. But you, know, you want to reach out to that person 
whoever it may be, and let them know that you're aware of the fact that they need help. And that's kind of where the elders need to uh, get to the root of it so we can start. You know, it's responsibility. It's all of our responsibilities. I think in a one-on-one class, you guys hear the word autonomy? You know, every congregation's autonomous. We don't have a, a guidebook or a playbook we can go to other than the Bible, just like everybody else. But there's not a Church of Christ playbook to how to handle this situation versus that. And you may hear, you may hear something about a congregation somewhere that's done some kind of discipline and you know you get what you heard but you probably don't have a very full picture that's where my question came from because yeah. I'll, I'll listen to podcasts of preachers and i'll hear this thing happen and i'm like oh how does that work here you know so that was basically it's like when does speculation become gossip right yeah. well basically just like wow that he's like really upfront about how they discipline people and so i'm always going well how does that work here you just never really hear that side It's a spectrum. I mean, different churches may handle the same situation very differently. Yeah. But I think you got to really be careful because you don't know all of the circumstances and probably not to the level that that particular eldership does. And, yeah. and I can't say that just because an eldership exists that they're right or wrong, they may do something that we would maybe take a different point of view on. Um, but our point of view is that I've seen consistently with our group is we want to do whatever we can to bring people closer to God and to bring in others from God rather than build, put barriers in their way. One of the things we frequently talk about when someone comes to us is how can we say yes to this rather than no, we can't do that. And I think that's important. You don't, the idea is not to be a bunch of judge and juries. The idea is to try and figure out how to bring people closer together. And um, nearly everything in the Bible talks about you know, how, how to help your brother in love. And we've talked a lot about that. But, and there are times when I guess discipline is critical and you have to do something about it. But in many cases, it doesn't have to be done publicly. You can do it a different way. You have to, to me, you have to be very, you have to be very careful with public discipline because you can, you can injure a person emotionally and spiritually for life if you aren't very, very careful about that approach. So you're much better off trying to go to them in private and deal with the situation that way rather than trying to deal with it in public. So no podcast. No podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, so here's a couple of other things that I'll throw out. Uh, watch out for the church in humility, which we talked a little bit about that. Uh, and watch out for the spiritual life of the flock. And really that's, that, that occupies a substantial portion of our time. Um, you know, we talk about different ministries we have. Uh, Rick talked about uh, saying yes. I, I'm trying to think of, have we ever, I guess we've said no. I can't, since I've been on the eldership, I don't think we've ever said no. I, I'm sure y'all have done it at some point. Uh, you gotta talk to Jack if you wanna get a no. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I, I can throw it on I don't know. I've never seen Jack say it. No, no, I don't know that How Jack are we going to make this work? He tells us sometimes when the, the checking account is getting close to saying, somebody well, better say no here. <laughs> that's different. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. She's trained me pretty well. I'm going to make you laugh. Ready? I told Justin, Justin, let me borrow the van. I'll take everybody to do it, right? And he's like, Jack said no. <laughs> <laughs> There, there are restrictions on certain <laughs> things. <laughs> you know, Jack, Jack and I were both bankers, and so our job in those and in his other life was risk management. I tell him that a lot of times. She says, "You're being negative." I said, "No, I grew up being a risk manager." So when you start talking about taking a van someplace, <laughs> what are the insurance? Who's licensed to drive? Yeah. What are they going to do? How's that going to work? You know, all the kind of stuff that goes with it. I'll just so be funny to say that's a great no. example. <laughs> Maybe an innocuous one, to, um, putting the sign on the church van. Okay, seems pretty straightforward. Do we hang King's Crossing Youth on the side of the van? Well, there might be some questions about that. <laughs> and that's that's the kind of discussions we have. Well, what's insurance going to do? What are the ramifications of doing that? What kind of risk are we going to put the youth group at? The poor driver of it that has someone saying, hey, that church is doing pretty well. Why don't I jump in front of that van when it's driving in front of me? Ooh, didn't think about that. But, okay, those are the, when you ask what do we do, it, that's at least an element of what we do is try to think a little bit ahead and identify the risks that are there and do what we can to mitigate those risks. And the best example of that is COVID. Yes. I mean. That's a great point. Everybody's got their view, especially in the early days, of what you should do. Well, we ought to cancel services. Well, we ought to, everybody ought to have to wear a mask. Well, and then you have the other side of that. Nobody wants to wear a mask. We don't understand why. You've got two completely different sides. We don't know how to use YouTube. <laughs> exactly. And so, so you have all those different deals that come up, and I think we navigated fairly well. We basically said we were going to follow the CDC guidelines. That's, that's the only science we had to deal with. And so following the CDC guidelines, we asked people to wear a mask. And then when that got lessened, we were concerned about some of the people who wouldn't come if there weren't masks. So we put a separate area that had mask only so that people could feel safe being there. And remember early, uh, early on, we dismissed people in groups so that they could leave so that we wouldn't be mixing because of the contagion issues. And that's all pretty much gone away. but. The point being, you know, it was very tough, very tough on us because we had multiple factions coming in saying, I want this and I want that. Well, you got to weigh, you know, whether, whether you're going to exclude somebody from coming to church because they're concerned about getting COVID because everybody's not wearing masks as opposed to the other people who aren't going to come if I have to wear a mask. You know, which way do you weigh? Well, you try and solve both of them by having people split up. And then I think the law of decision making that elders have to weigh against a decision is that you have accountability and responsibility to 300 people. So you have to weigh that against one individual or two or 10. What's the effect? Is it gonna be on the whole congregation? So you have to do it, you know, with eyes looking at the whole group. And someone may feel like they've been picked on or you've had to take a position that may be 
hurt someone's feeling or think we're picking on them, made an example, whatever it is. We've never done it for that reason. We've done it because we've got 300 more people out there that we are responsible for their spirituality, their worship, you know, the whole, the whole ball of wax. And, That's the hard part about responsibility and accountability. You know, as elders, we're made responsible because the congregation approves us, appoints us, and then we're accountable to God and the group. So and it's greater accountability according to Scripture, which, you know, you just think all the time, are we doing the right thing, the best we can do? That's the frightening like part any about human being, we're doing the best we can do. Yeah, that's the frightening part about it, right? You've heard that term, fear and trembling? Yep. 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 <laughs> that, uh, fear and trembling is an elder's meeting. Fear and trembling, because every time you make a decision, you got to say, did I, you know? And you can only do the best you can do, hopefully in prayer. With and there's only one right way to do it. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know if there's only one right way. Right. I remember it felt like y'all were unified it felt calming to read all the guidelines that y'all had set because we're all looking to y'all like what's it going to be like what are we going to do you know how comfortable are we going to feel going back and everything and personally our household just thought it was great just just nice to hear i was just amazed at first when it first went down how fast you guys got up and running online it was like yeah. it's exactly I what I was gonna say. I was completely yeah. surprised how fast that was. Like, okay, there's no church. Like, what are we gonna do? Just we'll just you know after breakfast we'll sit down and we'll just talk, you know, about the Bible and stuff. And then like well, I didn't know how fast it was. We're like, oh, we're gonna have you know services online. Like, man, that's which I was like eight days, right? Yeah, it was not like that. Was, yeah. I think we, yeah. we give a lot of credit to that to Mark. Yeah, that was he, amazing. He was very high tech and was able to make that work, and it it made a huge difference. Oh, it did. I mean, you know. And for continues. Us. And continues. And continues. <clears throat> I don't know how many people we have live streaming, but I, yeah. the last time I heard we had like 50, 60, 80 people who would watch. Well, 50 or 60 people, 50 or 60 connections. Yeah. You don't know how many people are sitting behind the connection. So. 15 of those are from the Valley. My mom and my family are watching them. I was going to say, it's not all Corpus Christi. Yeah, Together, right. all over the world. No. So uh, my mom has it, my aunt's watching it now, and I send all yep. the links to all my family members. Yep. Like, instead of sending them. TikTok or Facebook links, I sent them that link. And I put, haha, check this out. You know, and they click it, and they're like, oh, yeah. You know? Gotcha. Oh, yeah. And then, and then they could turn it off and then feel bad about it, so they just watch this. It's good to move like We know, we know right. other congregations that are in a similar situation that they're, they're doing a preacher search right now. And uh, we're using the Cyber Institute to help guide our thinking and give us a program and whatnot. But when you look at who we've had filling in the pulpit for us since Mark has left, you know, we haven't taken many steps backwards. Some of these other congregations, they're heavily dependent on cyber to bring in someone to fill that role. And we're not just filling that role. If people aren't growing with the presentations that are being made by these guys, um, I don't know that we're going to get a pulpit minister that's going to help them any more than these guys were or have. We were fortunate enough to have those three guys, yeah. four guys, basically, that could step in and never miss a lick. I mean, all their their presentations, their message are great, the way they present it to us. I mean, 
like he said, we haven't missed a lick. Uh, Mark was Mark, but these guys each are different, but each of them are very qualified and, and very well looked at by the congregation through their messages. Because those guys, just like this morning, Dale. I mean, you know, Dale had the whole congregation working with him. You know, and uh, I'm looking forward to when he gets the DUV published, the, the Dale Underwood version of the New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> kind of interjects some things that you can't go, well, yeah, that's what he's saying. Well, after his first session, at, after Mark left, had his first uh, presentation to us, when he came down off the pulpit and came to the back where I was standing by the door, and I said, I just want to let you know we've canceled the preacher search. <laughs> he said, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, he preached for a long time. Yeah, I've been, doing, I've been doing prison ministry with, with Dale. Uh, I did it three times this month so far. I didn't get to make it last Tuesday because I had stuff with the work, but uh, I've been going to the to Moses County. And then I'll be going with him to the annex too and traveling all over Texas on Tuesdays to go do that ministry stuff now. I'm super excited about it. He's amazing. Uh, just the conversations we have on the way there and you know, his, his preparation for it and how he gets the guys involved too. And kind of says that like with the, I sit there, the guys wanna, they're just looking at me, right? Cause I have all tattoos like them. I'm like, that's right. You know, <laughs> but, but they pay attention cause he has like a tattoo guy with him. You know, it's pretty cool. So. I was like, I guess that's what I was, I was, I go, Mark for Christ, right? <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy that, it's pretty cool. But we have, we have been very fortunate, and we have even more people who could preach. Yeah. We've got a lot of people who yes. have preached at different times, yeah. so people in the wings. Yeah, so that helps. We need, we need Preacher Anderson back for a little bit. <laughs> Freddie Anderson, he's amazing. Mm -hmm. I've, been, I've been in Christ since I was 12, and we've, I've been in churches where we've lost our preacher, and we had to do a preacher search. And we get some dips in the service. It was, you know, while you try to fill in, fill in the role until you find the preacher. And this is, I can honestly say, I feel like we haven't missed a beat with these guys. They're, they're phenomenal teachers. And uh, as I noticed the first thing, it was like, wow. Like, you expect to have a little dip, you know. Not everybody's prepared to like, hey, I need you to preach for the next month. It's like, oh, what's a big, that's a big thing. That's not what your mindset was. But these right. guys, no, I can't. <laughs> uh, yeah. no, these guys have been phenomenal. We are getting close to the end of time. Yep. If you've got any burning questions that you were sitting on thinking, man, when I get the opportunity, i got to ask this. This is the time to bring them. <laughs> you asked a question earlier outside, right? You too? I was talking to them outside. What did you ask me? How do I get, right? Uh, yeah. You passed in? Oh, I, just, I was just asking him, uh, how do I uh, give, uh, or ask God for the, the, the problems that I, that I need to get rid of? Like, how does he address it with God to get, actually give it to him to where God will take it? That's what he's asking me. Just ask him. Go to him in prayer and ask him. Yeah. By yourself, right? In your room? Absolutely. Emotional connection. You can do it with other people, but one-on-one -on -one relationship. Read, read the, the, the scripture I quoted today as we close was Philippians 4.4. 4. And, and he talks about, you go into it with a mindset of rejoicing because of your relationship with God, but you can take anything to him, any of your prayers, any of your petitions. Talk to him with the right heart, and it'll be answered. In Jesus' name. So here's a couple of any other burning questions. Okay, Don't here, ask these two. Come on, my dad. This is your chance. 
I, I like, thought this was been sort of an interesting. On that, like what yeah. I tell my kids is, I tell them when you when you pray and you're talking to God, you're not repeating something you heard. Because sometimes I know we get into that habit of we'll repeat the things that we always say just because it's comfortable. But you're talking to God, and if 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 you're not honest with Him, then that's what you're going to get back in return. If you're just saying things because you know, oh, I know when my mom prays or my dad prays, they say this. I don't know. If you're going to pray to God, pray to God. Tell Him what's in your heart. You know, because uh, we talked about it before. I didn't have things change in my life until I was 100% honest with Him. When I told Him that, when I didn't just say, help me be a better Christian or help me be better. When I when I told him what I was doing wrong and then asked him, please, you know, help me, and then he helped me. You know, when, when he did say, you know, help me be a better person, it's like, okay, how? That's, that's not genuine. When you tell him, hey, help me stop drinking, help me stop cussing, or you tell him, help me to want to be more excited about church, help me to, you know, tell him, just tell him. That's you know, don't, don't, lie to your, don't lie to yourself that you're, <clears throat> we're not perfect. Right, you mentioned that already. We're not perfect, even as much as we want to think we're perfect. Be honest, because lots of times we don't want to hear ourselves say the things that we're doing. We don't want to repeat the actions that we're doing. And then when we do, I mean, it makes all the difference. I think in my life. And the disciples, said, the disciples asked him, to say, teach us how to preach." Right? They said, "Teach us how to pray," because they know how powerful prayer is. If you look at instruction in the scriptures about prayer, two of the biggest things that I've learned in studying is that God looks for sincerity. When you bow your head and start talking to God, be sincere about it. And the other through your faith is to expect that he's going to take care of it. And he will. Maybe not in exactly the way you asked. No, <laughs> no but I didn't say that. <laughs> but he'll take nation for an answer. The, prayer, the prayers of the but righteous. But you have to be looking for That's right. <laughs> I think one of the things I would say to that is, as a, if, if I really was in tune with that, I wouldn't get ulcers over the things I ask. If I can truly turn stuff over to God, then it's up to God. And I don't have to get all balled up about it. And you should have peace that's a big with challenge. That. You should have peace with that. You should, you should. And that, if we don't, okay, we're not where we want to be yet. we got to keep working. So here, I thought this was sort of an interesting summary of, of what elders should do from a task standpoint. The elders should be peacemakers, prayer warriors, teachers, leaders by example, and decision makers. I think that's a pretty good summary of what we have to do. Yeah, 100%. We're, we're over time. Uh, I, I will have to tell you that I've learned more from listening to y'all than you would have ever learned from listening, I think, to us. And I'm appreciative of the conversation today and appreciative of the input and appreciative of y'all being here. So let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to you for giving us a church family that we can be with, that we can love each other, that we can support each other. We're thankful for the blessings that you continue to shed on us. We ask you to open our hearts to you, that uh, we might be more honest with you, be more outgoing, uh, look for opportunities to help bring others to you. Uh, we're thankful for your son,
giving his life for us and for our salvation. And we ask that you continue to be with us throughout this week. We ask all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for teaching us. Thank you. The professor will be back next week. <laughs> <laughs>